When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think, I can't think of what exact name I would pick, but definitely a name other than Matt because everywhere I go, it's like, oh, here's Matt and Matt and Matt and Matt and Matt. It's like, all right, let's all start going by last names because there's way too many Matts. Your last name's pretty cool sounding too. It yeah, is. yeah, it is. It has a kind it's, of a gothic feel to it. Yeah, it's it's especially great working in a haunted house where everyone got excited. They're like, we have a person with that last name working here. This is amazing. It's like, <laughs> okay. Spell Matt with three T's instead of two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could change the last letter to math. Math? Or H, you could be math. One. Yeah. Yeah. Not a popular one. Okay. Then no one would like you ever again. Right. No. You'd become the least popular person in the group. Then Boston you'd be area. really scary. My girlfriend would math? understand me even less. Oh, no. <laughs> Previously in Greater Boston. The biggest cutback we've had to make is our monthly squeezy stress ball allotment. On a bad day? I can reduce one of those balls to a crumbling mess by lunchtime. These balloons, they exploded, and now I've got dried tea bits all in the controls, covering the window. Ah! I can't see! It, 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 it got in my eyes! Hey, your friend's in line. The dippity douche who consoles the sandwiches? He's not my friend. Redline. Arlington. And Cambridge. I'm from Dorchester. Jamaica right. uh, Plain. Rubio. Rubio. Wellesley. Lowell. Redline. Worcester. Uh, I'm from Somerville. Peabody. Tuxbury. High Park. Roslindale. Andover. Dorchester. Framingham. Medford, this is. Lowell. This is. Rivia. Methuen. This is. This is. This is. Greater Boston. This week in Greater Boston, episode 18, Breaking Kayfabe. Dear editor. Dear editor. Dear editor. Dear editor. Dear editor. I have been very impressed with your coverage of forthcoming events in the fledgling city of Redline in recent issues. I admit, when you first predicted that Redline would be subjected to a dangerous prank that would evoke tragic events from Boston's past, I was skeptical. But after the molasses bomb was detonated, I could no longer deny the perspicacity of your prognosticators. As one of the original Fixie City claim stakers in Redline, it is a great comfort to me to know that at least one publication is reporting on the state of our community, not just as events happen, but before they happen. I am now eagerly awaiting a revelation of the promising new candidate you have predicted will soon enter the mayoral contest. Mayflower Johnson, Redline, Massachusetts. Dear, dear, editor, editor, dear, editor, dear, dear editor, editor, dear editor, please do your damn job. I have been deeply disappointed in recent issues of political prognostication due to your ever-expanding focus on events local to Boston, particularly the founding of this functionally incomprehensible Red Line community. You consistently try to position this absurd occurrence as some sort of grand metaphor for the future of the nation, as though we can interpret broad national events through the lens of railway mismanagement, sensationalistic real estate repurposement, comical governance by an unemployed children's cartoonist, Actually, never mind. Now that I consider the absurdities of the recent presidential election, I see exactly what you're getting at. Carry on. Dixon C. Hammersmith, Hampton, Sydney, VA. Dear editor, dear editor, dear editor, dear editor. Dear editor. Dear editor. Dear editor. 
In your latest issue of Political Prognostication, you discussed recent speeches by Redline mayoral candidate Isabel Powell, including her oft-repeated line referring to Redline as an underground railroad, quote-unquote. And yet, you did not call out the blatant inaccuracy of this description. I do not live in Massachusetts, and yet even I know that the red line runs only partially underground. Even if we ignore the elevated portion of track spanning the Charles River, which I am not inclined to do, there is still the major portion of the southern leg of Red Line, which runs almost entirely above ground. Surely you must have some fact checkers on staff competent enough to identify this basic geographic fact. Furthermore, if it is true, as Mrs. Powell claims, that she herself resides in Redline, then it is beyond comprehension that she herself has not noticed the sight of open sky through her windows at any time since taking up residency. One must conclude that she is either lying, catastrophically unobservant, or prone to the vice of metaphor, which is, of course, redundant of lying. I hope that in future analysis, you will endeavor to determine which of these three possibilities is the true case. Thank you for your attention to this matter. Samuel St. Eberhauser, Nashua, New Hampshire. Once again, Michael found himself struggling to write an article about Redline. This time he was trying to make sense of how the lottery, that strange series of pranks that had been sowing chaos in the city, would impact the mayoral race. It was a perfectly reasonable topic for his magazine to address. Political prognostication discussed exactly these sorts of issues. When Michael first accepted the position at Third Sight, he'd really seen the magazines as entertainment rags, not news media. If he didn't believe in the efficacy of his predictive games, so what? It was all harmless, an obvious put-on, like pro-wrestling. Everyone knew it was fake. But it didn't matter so long as everyone had fun and no one broke the illusion. But that was before Luisa had been injured in one of the attacks he was supposed to be reporting on. But Luisa was fine. Should he really be worrying about an injury that hadn't even happened? It did happen. She's wearing an eye patch. Yes, she'll recover in a couple of days, but if instead of that absurd rain of tea leaves that had poured down on everyone in that train car, the perpetrators had chosen to spray actual hot tea, Everyone could have been seriously scalded. It was useless to worry about such could-have-beens, wasn't it? But where are these lunatics going with their antics? What's their next move? What's their endgame? What if someone gets hurt? And now he's got another message from the publisher. He wasn't even sure when the pneumatic tube had been added to his office. It wasn't there a month ago. And now it was. He'd never even seen a construction crew. But the boss had been giving Michael more and more specific instructions. Leads, unnamed sources. It eventually made sense to start sending messages to Michael directly, instead of routing everything through Extinction Event. Michael, I understand that you are concerned about the potential for injuries in future lottery events. Our contact with the spirit of Mrs. Mary J. Lincoln has revealed to us that you are correct to worry. Please, warn readers of this fact in your next article. But also, you may inform them that hanging an unused railroad spike horizontally above any emergency exit window in commuter homes will help to protect family members against such resulting ill fortune. So, here he is, publishing articles about using luck charms and the power of positive thinking 
to avoid serious injury. It wasn't a game to his readers. It was serious business. They cared about who he covered and how he covered it, and used his absurd recommendations to make real-life decisions. Real political decisions. Christ, he'd received a phone call from an actual sitting senator who had read one of his articles and called him up to ask for additional details. He was crafting a bit of legislation about infrastructure management, and after reading an article on contextual paralinguistic feng shui, he'd wanted Michael's input on whether his bill's language was optimally structured to channel proper chi for legislative passage. Uh, none of that even makes sense. And that's not even how actual feng shui is supposed to work. But people ate it up. They loved it. They arranged significant portions of their lives around it. So long as Michael kept up the pretense that it was all real, every one of his readers was eager to go along with the ruse, no matter what it cost them. How am I supposed to feel good about doing something so... so... predatory? And yet, this was where Leon had wanted him. Leon had made this happen. How could he second-guess Leon's intentions? It was never supposed to be forever. Michael, please, don't do this forever. If you could pick any other name to have, what name would you choose and why? Leonardo or Raphael. The reason why I chose Leonardo is because of Ninja Turtles. And the same thing as Raphael. And also is because my grandfather, he passed away. So I would have his name. But the reason why I always liked George as opposed to my actual name is because my grandfather, my both of my grandfathers were Georges. And they were very uh, influential people in my life. I think Brianna. I think I look like a Brianna. I think, like, Brianna is, like, such a sassy name, and I'm such a sassy person and dramatic. Daquan. Because it's thug. Olivia. I feel like I'm more like of an O, because I like to always say, oh my gosh, or oh something. John Michael, or Michael. I don't know, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's just a name that I use when, you know, I'm messing with people and they ask me what's, what's my name and I want to be a clown. I usually say Michael. It sounds cool, John Michael. What's your name, John Michael? I'd go with something that would throw people off. Denzel. I would go with Denzel. This would throw people off, but Denzel Washington is like wicked attractive. So I would name myself Denzel. It's like a powerful name. I do not know what other name I would have. I haven't thought of that. I just am who I am and I beg to differ, so. Yep. Dipshit Paletti. Dipshit Paletti? Tofurky Paletti. Tofurky Paletti. Tofuckery Paletti. Tofuckery Paletti? Maybe just be Panda Bear again. False friend Paletti. Embarrassment to vegans Paletti. Panda Bear Fuzzy Bottom. Panda Bear, Panda Bear Fuzzy Bottom. Maybe. Bring back Gemma. Bring back Gemma. She was kind of an asshole, but at least she was a normal asshole instead of a Paletti asshole. Paletti. Dipshit Paletti. Dumb shit Paletti. Dumbass Paletti. Dumbass Paletti? Jackass Paletti. Jackass Paletti? Asswipe Paletti. Asswipe Paletti. Ass Paletti. Ass Paletti. She do Panda Bear again. That that I'm certain of. Eat a fucking hamburger and choke on it, Paletti. Hamburger and choke on it, Paletti. You used to be a better person. You used to be Paletti. a better person. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't go with like a, like a, like apocalyptic Panda Bear. That's what you shouldn't do. Once again, dipshit Paletti. They couldn't be serious. Could his subordinates really think so little of him? 
These were not at all the sorts of suggestions he had anticipated when he took Mary Wollstonecraft's advice to seek public input on his new name. I hope that we all understand that Mary Wollstonecraft had nothing to do with any of this. Mary Wollstonecraft was his friend and synergistic spirit. She had certainly not intended to hold Extinction Event up for public ridicule. He'd assumed the first round were just jokes, that his co-workers were having a laugh, and would put in their real recommendations if he just left the box up long enough. So he played along, commended them on their senses of humor, encouraged them to move on to their real suggestions. But if anything, the names had only grown stranger and more horrible. To fuckery, Pletty? Really? What is that even supposed to mean? Was it a swipe against his veganism? A battle cry in celebration of animal slaughter? You're clearly overthinking it. Or was it just some sort of unintelligible personal swipe against him as an individual? That one. I obviously can't name myself any of these, but I have to pick something. I have to follow Mary Wollstonecraft's instructions, or I'll lose her favor. Sounds like someone else has some instructions for you. What ridiculous errand is he sending me on now? My dear Mr. Paletti, please do me the favor of running out to the Olive Garden food truck. I would like another of their excellent tuna sub sandwiches. With extra celery, please, though of course that should go without saying. And while you're there, please do me the kindness of delivering the enclosed envelope to Nika. Be discreet with this delivery, of course. She will be expecting it. Again with the Olive Garden! Why must I run laps to that den of death, that mobile mausoleum of meat? And I'm treated as a courier, no less, to this dour blood merchant, this Nika woman, who has nothing whatsoever to do with the company that I rightly ought to be devoting my time to running. Nika's working at the Olive Garden? Oh, uh, Michael, you're in my office. I was just walking past. Which Olive Garden? Uh, not the food truck one you keep bringing all those tuna sandwiches back from. No? Yes. Oh, man, I've been looking all over for her. I couldn't find her anywhere. I had no idea you even still knew her. I don't. Nika Stamatis? Never met her. No idea who she is. What, what was that name again? <laughs> like you'd forget that I'm the one who first introduced you. Thanks so much. Did you say you need a package delivered to her? I can run that over right now. I need to bring her some mail from her brother. What? what this? No, no, no. This is for my friend. It's for Nika. Go find Nika. You've got it. I'll bring it right over. Thank you so much. You don't even know what favor you've done me. I, I've been so worried about her. Uh, you're welcome? Okay, I'll be back later. And so that bit of discretion went out the window? Perhaps Extinction Event really was a dipshit. Oh, I guess he was listening to that. My dear Mr. Paletti. As it turns out, you really are a dipshit. Indeed, he was. I'm not ordinarily fond of rude name-calling, but in this instance, I think I'm going to have to join the consensus. And if the name fit, so be it. My dear Mr. Paletti, you're going to need to keep Michael busy. More articles, more side projects. Perhaps we can arrange for some additional letter writers to give him a heavier mailbag to manage. I don't want him interfering with activities managed out of the Olive Garden. 
In the meantime, as it seems you've cleared your schedule for the afternoon, I have another task for you. Another loose thread that needs a bit of tugging. Are you familiar with the newsman Chuck Octagon? Because you and he are going to have a little chat. February 27th, 8.50 to 9.25 a.m. Arrive at Third Sight Media. Brew coffee in break room. Recite numbers. Resist the bar. Don't drink. Squeeze stress ball. Bring coffee back to desk. Catch up on email. February 27th, 9.25 to 9.30 a.m. Potty break. February 27th, 9.30 to 11 a.m. Compose article on redline molasses and tea party attacks. Call Louisa for eyewitness testimony. Conduct background research on molasses flood of 1919 and tea party incident of 1773. Consult Leon via I Ching. Try to interpret vague mystical predictions in a way that is sensitive to victims of attack. Recite numbers. Squeeze stress ball. February 27th, 11 to 11.30 a.m. Update calendar. Think through activities for the coming week. Channel Leon. Be thorough. Don't drink. February 27th, 12 to 1 p.m. Lunch. Deliver Dimitri's letters and extinction events to Nika at the Olive Garden. Procure large tuna salad sub with extra salary for publisher. February 27th, 1.30 to 4.30 p.m. Compose article on Redline Mayoral Contest. Charlotte Linzer Coolidge, Isabel Powell, recently announced third candidate Emily Bespin. Who is Emily Bespin? Do research towards individual profile of Bespin. Update. February 27th, 2.30 to 3 p.m. Conflict noted. Unscheduled meeting with extinction event to discuss addition of new duties. Update. February 27th, 3 to 3.30 p.m. Conflict noted. Clean break room. Wonder why this has suddenly become my responsibility. Brood over unexpected degradation. Recite numbers. Don't drink. Update. February 27th, 3.30 to 4.30 p.m. Continue article on Redline Mayoral Contest. Charlotte Linzer Coolidge, Isabel Powell, Emily Bespin. Develop details provided by Extinction Event. Press EE for information on his sources. How does he know what he knows? Squeeze stress ball. Ruminate. February 27th, 4.30 to 6 p.m. Respond to Olive and Gardner. Be sensitive. Respond to the letters to the editor for political prognostication. Attempt to form rational responses to incoherent and petty concerns. Exercise patience. Squeeze stress ball. Don't drink. Steve! Order up for Steve! Uh... No, not you. The other Steve, the meathead. Order up for Meathead Steve! Thanks? Next up, what can I get you? Uh, hey, uh, can I get a large tuna sub? We don't do tuna. Menu's right there next to you. We've got four breadstick sandwiches. Meatball, sausage, fried lasagna, or double bread bread and a breadstick. Yeah, but, um, yeah, okay. Uh, but my boss gets tuna subs here uh, all the time. And you gotta eat what your boss eats? No, I'm just picking it up for him. Large tuna sub, extra celery. Extra celery. Hey, don't ask me. It's his lunch. You work for the Dippity Douche. That sounds... accurate? Nika, you've got a visitor. What are you creepos even doing? What do you mean? With all your secret agent 
The willow lark fucks a scone by moonlight. Creepo bullshit. I seriously have no idea what you're talking about. I'm just running an errand for my boss. Huh. You are, aren't you? Stay here. I'll grab your sandwich. Michael. Mika! You are here! How did you find me? Uh, extinction event. I heard him mention you. Uh, to himself. Uh, he was talking to himself alone in his office as he mentioned that you were working here. It was a little weird. I bet. Anyway, uh, he had something he needed to deliver to you. But I volunteered to carry it over since I wanted to come see you anyway. Uh, here you go. Thanks. Hey, no problem. Do me a favor, though? Sure. Anything. Don't do that again. What? Don't bring me any more messages from Extinction Event. Just let him bring them himself. In fact, don't run any weird errands for him. Just, just do your normal job, okay? Don't get any more involved with them than that. Oh. Um. Okay. Uh, sure. Uh, is there, uh, is there anything you'd like to talk about? Nope. Uh, okay, then. So, uh... I, I, I've, got, I've got some mail for you. Uh, regular mail. Uh, Yura Connolly got a hold of me, trying to find you. He had some letters stacking up from Dimitri. He's, he's still sending letters to Leon. So, I've been looking for you. To, to get you these letters. Oh. I haven't read them this time. Go ahead. Go ahead and read them, you mean? Someone should. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I, uh, uh, but I figured... I don't want them. Are you sure? I've done reading about his bullshit adventures. If he wants to talk to me, he can come home. He doesn't even know Leon's dead, Michael. I can't read letters to my dead brother. And Dimitri's still running around playing his games without a care in the world while I have to deal with reality all on my own. I can't. I just can't. When he comes home, I'll deal with him. How is he going to find you if you're hiding? He'll figure it out, or he won't. It depends on how much he cares, I guess. Are you okay, Nika? I'm fine. Look, uh, uh, maybe we could get together. Just go get some coffee or something and talk for a while. Thank you, but no. Look, I know this sounds horrible, but I just really don't want friends right now. And you'll be better off if you don't try to be one. Not to me, anyway. You have other friends, don't you? Yeah, I mean, one, anyway. Uh, you remember Louisa? Alvarez? Leon's ex? Yeah, uh, we've been doing some work together. And it's, it's been fun. Uh, she's, she's been someone to talk to in, in, a, in a real way. I liked her. Are you two... No, nothing like that. Uh, strictly, j just friends. Uh... I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not in the headspace to think about anything else with anyone right now. You know, but it's, it's really good to have a friend again. You know? And working with her has been fun. You know, mostly. You know, she's been investigating those attacks in the red line, which felt all private eye cool at first, but she got hurt in that last one. What? The, the tea party attack. She was there. And she was injured? Well, you know, the eye patch comes off on Thursday. She lost an eye? No! <laughs> no. Uh, nothing so extreme. Uh, just an irritation. Some tea leaves got in her eye and got stuck. Her eye was sensitive after that, so she's been wearing a patch for a few days. Well, while it heals. But it's, it's nothing serious. Oh. Uh, oh. Oh, thank God. Yeah, no. 
Uh, she's good. Uh, no worries. Hey, choir boy, here's your sandwich. Extra celery. Uh, thanks. Who the fuck even likes celery that much? Mallory, not now, okay? Yeah, yeah, you're the boss boss lady. Okay, look, I should get back to work. Yeah, uh, of course. But don't come back, okay? Did I? No, it's nothing that you did. Totally the opposite. I, I really think you're a good person, Michael, but that's exactly why I'd rather not have you in my life right now, okay? Promise me. Yeah, um, I don't think I could make a promise like that. I think Leon would be pissed at me if I did. But I'll leave you alone for now. Thank you. And tell Louisa. Yeah? Just tell her I'm glad she's okay. This is Chuck Octagon, reporting live for New 7 Boston from the North End, where cleanup crews have finally been dispatched to clean up the last remnants of the 100-year-old disaster that left a sticky residue across the local terrain and architecture. The year was 1919, when unexpected fermentation caused a tank rupture that sent more than 2 million gallons of molasses gushing down local streets, killing 21 people and injuring more than 500. The remnants of that disaster have remained to the present day as a memorial to those lost lives and as a permanent testament to the hubris of uncooled molasses storage. But today, that reminder comes to an end, as Boston is finally committed to a full cleanup in the wake of the recent Red Line attack that left dozens of people frightened and slightly tacky. As the most readily available supply of molasses, many fear that the molasses used in the attack may have been simply gathered from the streets of the North End, leading to public outcry in favor of greater control of the tasty substance. But at what cost? Sir, what do you think about the city's decision to remove the North End's historic molasses coating? Well, I don't think they're considering homeless people at all. This is the one part of the city that smells nice. Once the molasses is gone, where we'll be able to spend some time smelling nice things. Where are we supposed to bring a girl out for a romantic uh, evening? Uh, are, are you saying that this is where homeless people come to have sex? What? Hell no. That'd be like rolling around on flypaper. But you said... I said romance, not sex. It's a nice place to do a little wooing. It's got a good ambiance. That don't mean we gotta seal the deal right there. When you take someone out to a nice restaurant, do you try to bed them down right there on the table? No, of course not. No, you... that's where you go to set the mood. Make sure you really like each other enough to want to get squishy. Then you take them back to your pad for the extra particulars. Well, it ain't no different for us. Think a little man Christ. Oh, I'm glad. Not that I think it will prevent any future molasses attacks, but it'll certainly make walking around the North End much easier. It's nice cardio, but sometimes I just don't have the extra time and the effort it takes to walk around here. Well, I think it's a damn shame. That's what I think. People don't like having sticky streets. They can't walk through a little molasses. Like, that's too much work. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't be walking around so much. My fard Taurus, it rolls right over the molasses. No problem. Maybe more people should get themselves a good truck. Then they wouldn't have these problems. And I'll tell you another thing. If molasses is outlawed, then only outlaws have molasses. And then what'll we do for cookies or brown bread or baked beans? Tell me that. Hmm. I just don't think they've thought this true at all. I don't think anybody's talking about outlawing molasses. They're just washing the streets. Oh. Well, that, that's not as bad, I guess. Oh, but I'll tell you, I still just don't like it. It smacks a change. And change is never good. Never, ever, never. No, sir. And that's the word from the street. Back to you, Rod. 
Okay, everyone, that's a wrap. Excuse me, Mr. Octagon? We need to have a private conversation. Who are you? Dipshit. Excuse me? Dipshit Paletti. I... your name is Dipshit? It's... it's new. Look, never mind about my name. It doesn't matter. Do I know you? We've met, but that's not relevant. My employer sent me to talk to you about a private matter. Your wedding, specifically, and where you're going to hold it. I don't see what business that is of yours. I agree, actually, but my employer sent me to talk to you, and I have to do what I'm told. Look, we're not taking sponsors. It's a private event, and we'd like to keep it that way. That's unfortunate, because my employer has sent me to make sure you agree to have it broadcast live from Redline. Lindsay Coolidge sent you, is that it? It doesn't matter who sent me. I just need you to agree to my employer's conditions. Do you really care that much about my wedding? Me personally? No. Frankly, I don't even believe in marriage. It's an outmoded bourgeois proprietarian ritual that celebrates the oppression of love. Uh... That's why I live in a cruelty-free, mixed-gender, free-love commune with my 17 domestic partners. It's an ideal community with all the domestic benefits of long-term romantic partnership, as well as the sexual benefits of Marxist eroticism. You know what? Let's move on. Right. So, your wedding. You're going to have it in Redline. No, I'm not. And you can tell the acting mayor that she can shove her conditions up her... Or else your employer is going to receive detailed documentation of how your research trip to Hartford last June was actually a romantic getaway with your fiancé that you illicitly billed to the company. Now hang on. Including photographs of you dining at the restaurant where you claim to have met with a story source and later having a sexy pillow fight in your hotel room that evening. How would they even know from a photograph where the sexy pillow fight happened? Yeah, the restaurant photos are probably more damning. I guess my boss thinks the other one would just embarrass you if it were released. Seriously? Who doesn't like a sexy pillow fight? But the rest of it would be problematic for you if your employers got hold of it. Yeah. Okay, wow, you must be really proud of yourself. So, that's the information I was tasked to deliver to you. On a personal note, I'm... I'm really sorry about this. I... I honestly... I don't feel good about this at all. I really try very hard to live a morally righteous life. I'm vegan, after all, but, well, my job is on the line. I, I don't have a choice. Sure, I understand. I'm really sympathetic to your situation, except that, no, wait, fuck you. That's fair. Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Van Driesen with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. Thank you to the Alexandria Archives, a podcast of Southern Weird Horror, for their generous support of Greater Boston. You can find them at alexandriaarchives.com. You too can support Greater Boston through our Patreon. Patrons can receive early access to new episodes, transcripts annotated with production details, and bonus audio. In order of appearance, this episode featured Lauren Shippen as Mayflower Johnson, Austin Beach as Dixon Hammersmith, Mike Linden as Oliver West, Samuel St. Eberhauser, and Marlowe. Alexander Danner as the narrator. Braden Lamb as Leon Stamatis. James Oliva as Michael Tate. James Capabianco as Extinction Event Paletti. Jim Johansson as Steve and Meathead Steve. Joanna Bodnick as Mallory. Kelly McCabe as Nika Stamatis. Jeff Van Driesen as Chuck Octagon. Also featuring Jim Johansson, Tanya Miloyevich, Ben Flaumenhaft, and Rick Coast as Third Sight employees. Interviews conducted with real Greater Boston residents. Charlie on the MTA, Green Valley Waltz, Red Apple Rag, and Shove That Pig's Foot a Little Farther in the Fire, performed by Adrian Howard, Emily Peterson, and Dirk Teedy. Additional music and sound effects used from public domain and Creative Commons sources. 
Episode transcripts are posted online at greaterbostonshow.com. Be sure to check out the wonderful shows produced by our special guests, including Lauren Shippen's The Bright Sessions and Austin Beach's Winnebago Warrior. And this has been Greater Boston Spoilers. <laughs> oh, did we record all of that? Oh, yeah, it's all recorded. <laughs> don't, don't put this as a credit cookie. No. The lazy dog fell on the nude cat. Oh, rude cat. The lazy dog fell on the rude cat. That's what somebody told me to say as a warm-up on Twitter. So, The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. In June of 2020, an amateur podcaster disappeared from the Carson National Forest while searching for the legendary Finn treasure. But he was adamant that he was onto something big. He was obsessed. He showed her some hand-drawn map to a treasure out in northern New Mexico. The subjective truth is part treasure hunt, part paranormal docudrama. Starring Addison Peacock as Graham Anderson. Back at home, I placed the box on the counter, and I just stared at it for a while. You'd never be able to guess its social impact on the human race by looking at its simplistic design. UFOs, ghosts, reincarnation, and liars. This is The Subjective Truth. Subscribe now. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.